Oh, okay, so that happened. That was oh. a great. That was I'm the sorry. worst trip ever. I'm sorry, what? I just finished my third bottle of Jack Daniels today. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, uh, well, Oregon lost to Washington State, and oh. it was uh, no cool things happened. It was very not chill. Super not chill. Um, it's one of those things where we can't, it's one of those games where you can't even, um, point to like a couple things. Like, yeah, there were so many things wrong, um, that it's tough to pinpoint one other than youth really showed. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much that's that's pretty much the TLDR of that game. I'll just I'll, I'll start with the run defense because Washington State, you know, that was you, okay. That's the one. Sorry to cut you off. That's the one thing that just infuriates me about this game. That is the one that I just don't understand that that it was the ground game and not like I just assumed that Luke Falk was going to throw for like seven thousand yards on our defense in this game. Yeah, right. You didn't have to, but I didn't see them scoring six rushing touchdowns. Oh my god, kill me! I I did I did not see that one coming. Uh, that is. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. They I had think, yeah. Jamal Morrow, James Williams, and Gerard Wicks combined for 35 carries, 273 yards, and six touchdowns. I don't even think I can I, – I can't even put up those kind of rushing numbers when I played Madden. Oh, that's because you you're not using the right playbook. You got to use the Panthers. Oh, well, there we go. That's my, that's my problem. Yeah, that'll solve all your problems. Um, yeah, when uh, Washington State was running off like eight yards of carry, that's when I was like, oh, man, we are in. <laughs> this is going to be a long We night. are in trouble. Um, and it was like the first quarter. I was like, okay, not the best quarter. It could be like Colorado, though, where we pull it back together. And mm-hmm. nope, that did not happen. Nope, nope, nope. It just. Nope. <laughs> it went from bad to worse. Yeah, it was. Uh, the stuff I don't like. It got so bad that there came a point in the fourth quarter where I stopped watching the game, and I was like, ooh, ooh the Mariners are in a close game. <laughs> this is yeah. something I said to myself in October. I'm going to turn off an Oregon football game to go watch a Mariners game. Yeah. Um, so let's just. I'm just going to rip through these yeah. so fast so we can just get through it. Just, just Washington State had, uh, in terms of total yards, Washington State 651, Oregon 416. Passing, Washington State 371 to 202. Uh, rushing, 280 to 214. What the F? Washington State averaged seven yards a carry. Oh my God. Uh,. We had two turnovers. They had zero. Um, they had the ball for 39 minutes and 15 seconds of the game. 36 first downs to our 20. Um, so this isn't even really so much of an issue of... See, I don't know. Um, 
the youth showed in a lot of ways because the air raid is very hard to defend when it's run really well. Mm-hmm. Because at any point in time, there is a route that will cover where the quarterback sees a blitz, he can hit that route. If it's man, he can hit this one side of the field. If it's zone, they've got routes to the other side of the field. And it's like everything's accounted for, and so you just have to really rely on... um, You have to have really good pass protection. (laughs) Yeah, after really good pass coverage, which we do not. Um, And it really forces you to zone up more than anything else. Um, and Oregon didn't do much stunting on the defensive line because you can't rush a ton because it just will not work. In my opinion, it's very difficult to do. So you have to like manufacture pressure by like stunts and twists and Oregon didn't do much of that until like the second half. Mm -hmm. Um, basically this was just bad all around. One thing I do want to point out though, um, is that a lot of people, uh, people are saying um, that some of the players like weren't trying or they're giving up, and I fully disagree with that. I don't see a team that's not trying, at least during the game. Uh, this is a team that just came in and did not look prepared for like anything. Yeah. So I don't know, but maybe it, it, it it's easy to show up and play hard on game day. It's tough to show up every day during practice mm-hmm. so yeah but, day in day out yeah but and players have always said i mean players have said before like the game is nothing about x is all the game is is just executing what you've already done in practice and games are won and lost in the preparation for that game that's what chip kelly said yep that was what he said practices win games um so, I mean, the the biggest weakness by far were both lines mm-hmm. on offense and defense. Yeah. And that just goes to say, um, like we've said it multiple times on this podcast, and there are positive signs that uh, more players are being brought in by the coaching staff because um, there's a f- couple four-star defensive linemen and offensive linemen who are already committed um, is Oregon like it's the line play like the difference between the conference cha- the what separates conference contenders to conference champions and then conference champions to national champions is offensive and defensive lines mm-hmm. like especially in college there can be so much like disparity at many different positions but if you control the line of scrimmage like it is so difficult to win, and that's what we saw. And Washington State basically was able to kind of like have their way on defense. Um, like Dakota was, he had a clean pocket. I don't even know if he had a clean pocket that many times during the night. Like he no, had, he was running for his life all night. He has his own deficiencies throwing, which we've outlined in great detail. But he was getting no favors, and I mean. I'm not going to get mad about four freshman linemen because they're freshmen. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when there's not only one or two, but four of them. Like our senior is a right guard. The guard is is the easiest position to play on the line. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, a lot of things went wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't even know, like, what else to say. Um, I'm not, like, trying to get down on, like, the players because we don't know what practices look like and they look like they were playing hard. I don't hear any quotes like we heard before the Arizona game a few years ago where they played awful in that week in practice. People were, players were openly saying in the media that it was, like, Rose Bowl or bust. Yeah. So, I mean, every report said, like, the team was trying to rally together. Like, um, and it's weird because this game was such a regression. This is the worst game Oregon has played. And that includes against Virginia. Like, the Oregon team that had its struggles against UC Davis would blow the team out that just played Washington State. Right. So, it's like, it's that much, it's that far apart, in my mind, between what we saw Saturday and the rest of the year. And so, but, there's there's two takes you can make. One is, with all the youth, and they're playing an air raid, the Washington State front seven has gotten significantly better over the last couple years because of recruiting. Um, like, significantly better. Mm-hmm. So, tough offense, tough offensive style of the defend, it's a, uh, an improved defense upon last year, and experience on both lines, like, that's a bad time. So, I mean, Washington State is one that, uh, I mean, they beat Oregon last year, they beat us last year, um, they beat UCLA last year, they pushed Stanford to the edge, um... So, I mean, we still don't know how good Washington State is. I hope really good. Like, I really hope really good. Yeah. Um, But I've talked for a while. What do you think? Yeah, it's... It's it's so tough. Like, you're right. Like, this was... This game was so... So vastly different than any of the other games all season. Um, You know, I mean, like, you look at... You look at like the Nebraska loss and the Colorado loss, and you know those were losses where like they found themselves in tough situations and they fought it out till the very end. Yep. And this was a game where they just like found themselves in a tough situation and then they just got walloped, like they ran out of gas or something. And they just like Washington State just straight up looked like the better team all night. And I knew as soon as, as soon as the game was getting going, and it, you know both teams were trading touchdowns, I was like, "This is not good." And see, what I used to find really interesting was that, like, shootouts didn't worry me in years past. Right. But now, when it's like it comes down to a shootout, I'm just like, "Oh God, this is going to end in disaster." Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was just like it was really hard to watch because it was like I think like the Nebraska loss. You're like, okay, that's a really like that's a good opponent. It's a really tough road environment. It's Prukop's first like road game. You know, national TV, yada yada yada, like tough setting, right? And then Colorado rolls around, and you're like, oh, like tough, like 
can't believe we lost that game. Can't believe we lost to Colorado, but came down to the wire. Could have gone either way. This was the first game where we just sat there and we're like, wow, this is what it's going to be like this year. Like, yeah. it's just, it, I, I'm afraid that we have, like, we've only, like, dipped our toes into the deep end for how bad it's going to get. Like, my, my, my season expectations every week have gone from win a respectable bowl game to just, you know, play in a respectable bowl game. And then it was, okay, let's just make a bowl game. Yeah. And now it's just like, okay, just beat Washington and Oregon State and whatever else happens, like, we could lose every other game and I'll just move on from it. But this is like, it's just, it's really weird going into the Washington game. And for the first time, I'm being like, uh, if we, you know, if we, if we can keep it within one or two scores, I'll, I'll feel proud about us. Yeah. You know, whereas like every other year I'd be like, there's no way we're losing this game. We're going to like, we're going to beat them by three or four touchdowns. Let's, let's go. Like, I don't even, oh man. But at the same time too, like I'm so stoked for like, you want to see how a team responds. Like they've been knocked on their ass and they've lost three games in a row and they're on pace to become the worst Oregon football team in a decade. Yeah. And guess who's coming to town? The number five Washington Huskies who are undefeated. Like, you want to talk about a chance to to make a statement and get your season back together? Like, I, I'm actually, I, I this is just this is perfect timing for like a true character test. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Like, I was openly rooting for Washington against Stanford because I wanted this type of situation. Like I wanted Washington to come into Autzen stadium being undefeated, being projected to go to the college football playoff. Like I wanted the hype train to be running at full steam ahead. Uh And not because I'm like, Oh, we're going to wallop you guys. We're going to shut you all up. Like, no, I think this is actually finally the year that like I've been watching a few Huskies games like they look like the real deal this year oh yeah it's gonna be a very it's a very tough matchup it's a very tough opponent but just like having the chance to de like to potentially start the derailing process of their season and at least knock them out of the top 10 and possibly knock them out of the playoff picture like oh man that's a sweet opportunity yeah like Okay, I can't have nice things anymore. I can't have the Rose Bowl or the playoff or even hell the Holiday Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, but oh man, a chance to knock off number 5 Washington. That's I'll t- I'll take that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I really just want to hit a bowl game so that this young team can get more practices. Mhm. We We've said that in years past before. That's the that's the biggest advantage of going to a bowl game is more practice. Right. Biggest advantage is getting more practice. And it's... 16 players are coming back on offense next year off the two deep. 18 players are coming off the defensive two deep. It is... Having extra practices 
would be so important. It would be so big for this team. Yeah, um, I always, I always thought that this would be kind of like, as much as I wanted this to be like a surprise miracle season, like I always kind of had a hunch deep down inside that this would kind of be like a transitional year, so to speak. Um, and I think in like the next like. I think we're maybe like a couple years away from this team turning it back around and having a really solid season again. Yeah. One one year being optimistic, two years being probably the more likely. Right. So a few things. We have way too many threads now going. Um Yeah, what what is Oh man, there's so much to talk about. Uh, let's go this direction. So this is like a really young team. Bull practices would be huge. Next year's where we're going to see the improvement. Um, like keep in mind the Colorado team. Like all those guys have been starting for three years at that point. Yeah. Um, it'd been those same three, those same guys playing for like three years together. Um, with Washington State. They're good, I think. Um, and with Washington, before the season, I was really low on them, um, mostly because they had only won like six games the year prior, mm-hmm. and I didn't see them winning like more than nine games, just because they had a lot of guys returning. But so far, that has been proved wrong, because um, they beat Stanford forty-four to six. That was a walloping. Uh, here's here's how, like I don't even think that score does justice as to how far apart these teams looked. So Stanford was swapping their quarterbacks multiple times. Stanford went two of twelve on third down. Uh, Washington went nine of twelve. Stanford only got two hundred thirteen yards of offense, only twenty nine of which came on rushes. Mm-hmm. They averaged less than a yard a carry. Turned the ball over twice. Washington passed. Uh, 10 yards per pass attempt, 5.2 yards per rush. Washington had six sacks in the first half off of four-man rushes. When you can sack a Stanford quarterback six times in a half, Stanford only given up four sacks all year, and that was against, like, Kansas State, USC, uh, and another team that's not terrible. Uh... Oh, UCLA. They've given up like four sacks all year to three mm-hmm. really good teams. And they give up six in the first half to four-man rushes. Um, so Washington being able to get tons of pressure with four guys and being able to completely take apart uh, a Stanford front seven, averaging 5.2 yards a carry, like, that's enough. Yeah. Um so Oregon's got to pull out like a couple trick plays, make a couple of special teams plays, force probably win the turnover advantage by three, um, and get some huge like negative plays on defense. It's really got to be one of those ones where they pick their spots, mm-hmm. uh, just because Washington is so talented. It looks like Jake Browning, their quarterback, is playing extremely well. Yeah. Um. So. 
it could be a bad time. I'm going to the game, and I'm very not excited for it. <laughs> so, I mean, Oregon only has like six home games this year, so I'm going to go to all of them because I yeah. love Oregon football, for better and for worse. Uh, but I'm not super excited for this game. So, all good things come to an end. Teams are mm-hmm. always rising and falling in America. So, I mean, we didn't plan on this one going long anyways because it's so depressing to talk about Washington State. And it's, like, such a simple answer to what went wrong, which is everything. Yeah. Uh, and Washington, it's pretty easy to talk about because it's Washington just destroyed Stanford and they have an extra day to prep. Mm-hmm. And their two lines are dominant, and obviously ours are not, and so it's going to be a struggle. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how the team bounces back from that game against Washington State. That'll be that'll be a real factor. That'll be really that'll be a real test is how they respond. Um, so I have a, had a conversation with uh, David Piper. Um, and Ben's Duck, who's a commenter, longtime commenter, who writes for uh, on Ben'sDuck.com for Duck Downs, um, which is a Oregon football history website between 1894 and 1994. So uh, he has a section called Where It All Went Wrong, which is 1971, and it started when Oregon forced out Jerry Free. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he let an off he led a team that had a few see, I'm, I'm trying to remember this. Basically a lot Ben Suck brought up that a lot of the same conditions that a lot of the conditions we see t- this season um are the same that forced Jerry Free out. Um, Mm -hmm. And when Jerry Free was forced out, that's what started the tailspin until Rich Brooks came in and stuck it out for a long time. So it seems like really obvious, like, oh, we should get a new coach, and that makes like so much sense. That's not true. Like, it's... the. It's easy to get that way because this loss was so bad, mm-hmm. and we've gone from playing a national title game to um, making it uh, to like giving up 300 yards to Washington State on the ground, and so it's like a moment of panic, right? Like it's like, oh, we're not going to be good. Like Oregon's always had like an imposter syndrome in a way, like we were never supposed to be as good as we were, and so. This is um, kind of us, like, trying to scrape together and, like, somehow duct tape the team together in, a, in order for us to, like, keep competing. The, the, the secret sauce with Oregon, more than the uniforms, um, more than, like, Nike and all the money and the cool facilities and all that stuff has been continuity. There are... Very few programs. Like, Penn State used to be, like, the program for continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Oregon, like, you had Rich Brooks there for so long. Mike Bellotti was there for over a decade. Chip Kelly comes in. He goes to the – and then Chip Kelly was promoted from offensive coordinator 
Chip Kelly goes to the NFL. We promote the then offensive coordinator head coach. Like, there's no situation where we're just changing everybody out. Right. Uh It's always been, like, promote from within. It's not like, oh, we're cleaning house and we're starting with an entirely new staff. Right. So, because here's... Here is the danger to that. Like, the Houston head coach, Herman, like, I dare you to try and get him. He's gonna, he's making like $3 million a year right now. LSU's spot is opening up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas might be opening up. Um, Florida State is probably not opening up, but it may be on the verge of it, and so Oregon would have to go against Florida State to get a coach. Um, compared to those programs, Oregon is not on the same level of resources in terms of recruiting base and tradition and putting people in the NFL. Like, putting people in the NFL is one of the most important pitches at this point. That's why so many players are going to Ohio State, why so many players are going to Alabama, why so many players are going to Michigan why we continually see awesome players go to USC even though they lose and UCLA is because those teams send people to the NFL. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, for a lot of these kids, they they don't necessarily care if they win or lose in college as long as they're on one of those pipeline programs to the NFL in these programs that pump out kids year after year. That's what they care about about for thinking about their long-term future they all want to go to the nfl if they couldn't win in college great but they're thinking long term right and there's socioeconomic factors that go into that too it's just a different landscape than it was even 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um but i think people really need to understand the possibility that the bottom just falls off if we just clean house yeah like the secondary coach, Neil, has been here for like two decades now. Greatwood has been here for decades. Campbell has been here, left, and then been back here. Um, like, those are some of the best position coaches in the country. They're staying here. Helfrich is not going anywhere. Like, somebody could call him up, and I doubt he would want to leave for that program. Um, and so people want to say, well, oh, I want him to leave now. It's like, no, you don't. Because who are we going to get, right? Some superstar coordinator from another program so he can go to another program later? Like, mm-hmm. that's another threat. Like, if we have a coach at Oregon and, like, this opening at LSU happens, LSU's going to throw, like, a couple more million dollars at him a year. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Um. If we bring in, like, the Central Michigan head coach, which is, who is, I'm not that thrilled about, um, partially because he does a bunch of really goofy stuff to, like, get recruits and everything, um, some, and it's not like Central Michigan has had a huge bump in recruiting rankings, um, he's going to bring in all of his own guys. Mm-hmm. And, like, all that continuity is gone then. And it's basically an entirely new program. Like... That's like the clean sweep of everything that Brooks has built since 94 to Bilotti to Kelly to Helfrich. So 
I think people will need to take a realistic approach. And don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying like, oh, we need to do this now. And like, everybody needs to keep it real. It's like, this has been the factor. Like, this has been the same situation. Like, it's not like we're crashing down to earth and all of a sudden we're changing expectations. I think anybody who really knows the school and the program and where it sits on the national landscape has known that Oregon has been by far been outperforming mm-hmm. its resources. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of uh, things that Oregon needs to keep doing in order to like stay innovative and find like the next big advantage because now everybody has cool uniforms and cool facilities and everything. Yeah, I've t- I, I had touched on that earlier where yeah. Oregon's Oregon's draw used to be their facilities and their uniforms and everything when they were ahead of the times. And now everyone else has caught up and everyone else has cool uniforms and cool facilities and this and that. So yeah, they've got to figure out some new creative way to, to get recruits because Eugene's not a desirable place to, as much as I love Eugene, Oregon, it's not a, desirable place when this recruits got offers coming in from you know hollywood and these big name programs where he can become the superstar on campus and this and that so they've got to figure out new ways to to win the recruiting battle yeah and let's not like uh forget like oregon had 2004 oregon even had 2006 but what came after 2006 the 2017 with Dennis Dixon. Mm-hmm. It was virtually, it was the same coaching staff um, plus Chip Kelly. Yeah. So there are so many different factors that go into how well a college football team does that if, if we're scrapping coaches continually, like Tennessee did, like Michigan did for a while, like, uh, like, Texas has done it right by giving Charlie Strong like all this time, even though it might not be panning out with Charlie Strong. Like they did it the right way. Um, I'm trying to think of like a couple other programs that uh, Washington did it. USC is still doing it, where they keep swapping out coaches and not really getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and but those are huge programs with huge bases to recruit from, absurd amounts of money. Um, so, like winning is hard. Like Florida State has always has one of the best recruiting classes. Miami's always up there. Like Tennessee was always up there. Like there are tons of teams that have bringing much better players that don't even win conference championships. Yeah. So I know Oregon made it maybe made it look easy under Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota, but it's not. It really isn't. So, like, going back to, like, what we had with, like, Bilotti, right? Like, there was the run where Oregon should have played Miami for the national championship. Um, Then there was 2007. And then 2008 was a continuation of that um, where you saw, like, real improvement. Um, Like, Jeremiah Masoli looked like a superstar getting us to a holiday win over a really good Oklahoma State team. And the next year was the Rose Bowl year. So yeah, 2006 was, and 2009 were three years apart. It was a world of difference. Yeah, it was always continuous buildup, you know, baby steps every year. And 
you know, it eventually peaked out with that, with the the national championship appearance, the first one in the 2010 season. And then you had that kind of, you know, sustained success to some degree. You had, you know, during the Chip Kelly era, you had the, and I think that's part of the reason why, like, everyone is just always so high on Chip Kelly because, you know, if if this had been reversed and it had been Mark Helfrich that was the coach during those glory years and we had Chip Kelly now, people would be saying the same thing. They'd say, fire Chip, just, just bring back Mark Helfrich, you know, because they just remember the glory years. And that was all just the buildup of those those seasons, that 2008 season, the 2009 season. And then you had, you know, Rose Bowl, national title game, Fiesta Bowl, national title game. Like, it it was this, like, period of sustained success that is, like, damn near impossible to maintain. And I, I think now we're kind of just seeing, like, the tail end of it. And it's, like, you know, like you said, there's always there's always ups and downs. And I think we're going to be going into a down period for a couple of years and then I think we're going to see a rise again yeah I mean just with today just with like expectations today in general across all age groups I hate it when people say millennials need this but like everything needs to happen now right and instant results yeah like after the last presidential debate there was like the polls came out and then there was the reaction to the polls and then there was the reaction to the reaction to the polls and then there was the reaction to the reaction to the reaction of the polls and there were there were new polls and that whole cycle goes all over again mm-hmm. and then the sun comes up the next day and that's just uh, like a lot of the I don't know I just feel like a lot of the declarations to uh, change coaching staffs is made out of is born out of fear that like everything is falling apart um and i frankly don't think that because last year was weird in general but last year was a nine-win team um and i don't think that justin herbert is the right guy now like he looked awesome for eight plays against probably washington state's backup defense yeah but it's I am so tired of people saying that we should just start him just because to get him more experience or that the coaches promised Herbert, not Herbert, uh, Prukop the starting spot mm-hmm. because it is such, I really can't emphasize this enough, it is such a strong disservice to the seniors to, to not play the best guy. It is, like, why would they show up? Like, it is such a strong disservice and unfair to the seniors for to not play the best guys and not be out there to win. Yeah. So, because it's not like the NFL. Like, these seniors don't get to come back. So, that's why I'm so fundamentally opposed to the argument that we should just have Herbert start or that, like, the coaches are just giving it to Prukop. Like, we had a we had a one drive sample size. Mm-hmm. We could take one many like sample one drive sample sizes of Prukop and say he's the next Marcus. Like that's literally what we have. It's a very yeah, small exactly. sample size. It's one data point. So, um, and I'm sure Herbert's going to be great starting next year 
And you know what? It's kind of weird that they burned his red shirt, but you know, so be it. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much all I got to say about this week. Yep, that's pretty much it. Young team. Lions did not play well. They're going to play Washington, whose lines are fantastic. Um, it's unlikely that they'll win, although it would make I might cry if they do, out of joy. Um, we shouldn't fire Hellfish. We can put them on the hot seat next year if that's like a thing that people want to do, but I'm still opposed to it then. Um, and uh, any idea on the quarterbacks that is other than we're going to win games now is a disservice to the people on the team currently. Yeah, exactly. So I think this pretty much sums up our conversation that just happened. Pretty much. All right. Cool. Well, do you want to talk about this anymore? Is there anything to talk about? Mm, I think we covered it all. Okay. Um, let me look at one thing. Oh, man, we didn't even talk about the Phil Knight Classic, which has like every uh, every college basketball team coming here. Oh, yeah. We're a basketball school now. Yeah. Gonna, I keep I keep getting like really sad about football, and then I'm like, oh, basketball. we're like really good at basketball now. Like I still I have to like remind myself of that. Yeah, so we're like five we're gonna be out. a preseason top ten team. Yeah, so we're five weeks out right now from opening against Army. Um, November 11th is when the regular season tips off. So it'll be. It'll be a good one. Yeah, that Phil Knight Classic lineup is redonkulous. Yeah. It's pretty unreal. Let me see when that starts. I love we had a uh, we had a story go up this week. Oh, it's twenty seventeen. Wait, no, uh, it's it's this week? It's this year? This year? Oh, it's in twenty seventeen. Oh, okay. Getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, Soon. Yeah, I guess that makes sense with the schedule already. Um, but uh, yeah, we had we had a story go up uh, uh, this afternoon on a best guess at the Oregon basketball rotation, and the sub headline is my favorite. It just says, "Why not?" <laughs> we 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 all need a little happiness and joy. So let's look at let's look at a season that has some some hope and some promise. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for us here at Sling and Quack. Thanks to you guys who made it this far. Um, I know Sean and I both appreciate nice things in the comment section. Um, so, we'll be back next week. Catch us on Twitter. Uh, find Sean at, at Sean Larson ATQ. Catch me at uh, Rusty underscore Ryan eleven. Um, get some, get our followers up, uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, with hopefully a very positive podcast. See ya.